0: That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for the word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you Um, that we come to meet a God who wants to speak to us. I ask that you would open our hearts uh, to receive what you have for us this morning. I ask that your spirit would speak through Andy as he teaches us. God, I pray that you would give us what we need this morning. If we need to be encouraged, you would encourage us. If we need to be challenged, you would challenge us. If we need to be refreshed, that you would refresh us come before you with trust and open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Hey, thanks, Ev. Appreciate you. Good morning, church. Good to see all of you here today. My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're new, we are in a season of discernment right now. We are asking God to help us discern uh, who the next team of people who help lead our church in the next chapter of the summit story. And we're just trying to be marked by a leader, as leaders uh, and really as an entire church family, as people who hear from God. That's that's our desire right now. We're we're desiring to be a people who hear from God. And so we're asking God for wisdom. We're asking God to provide an abundance of clarity and confidence for us as we try to discern this question about who is the team of people who are going to help lead our church in this next chapter. And I told you last week, there are actually two ways that you can be a part of this process alongside of us. Okay. Two different ways. One, uh, our elders and our staff are all reading through this book together. It's called Pursuing God's Will Together. It's by Ruth Haley Barton. And if you want to pick up a copy of this, we have maybe five copies left in the lobby. Okay. So if you want to read this alongside of us, we would love to have you do that. The second uh, is that we initiated a new prayer rhythm, a prayer and worship rhythm, actually, uh, within our church here on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. And let me tell you, um, I'm not trying to over-exaggerate here. Shannon, you know, though. This was good, right? This was really good. Now I'll tell you, we just made one announcement about it last Sunday. And so all week I was like, I have no idea what to expect. Uh, If we have five people there, I'll be super happy about it. I'll be super happy. If we have less than five people, I will tell myself to be happy about it. Uh, If we have more than five people, like all glory to God, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, this is it's not about the numbers. That's not how we measure success here. But church, let me just tell you, let me tell you. When it is cold and dark outside at 6 a.m., but there are 25 men and women gathered in here begging God to bless our church and pour out his favor and save the lost. Man, there is no better way to start your day, right? It was amazing. It was so good. It was so encouraging. We had such a good time. So uh, I I encourage you to consider it. I know it's early, Wednesday at 6 a.m., but let me tell you, it is a fantastic way to start your morning. In fact, let me tell you this. Can I tell you an answer to a prayer already? Here's the thing. I I said this last week. I said it, and and it sounded like a little tongue-in-cheek when I mentioned it last week, but I was completely serious. For seven days straight, morning and night, I prayed consistently that God would do something that I felt like was borderline miraculous. I was asking God to provide us a musician willing to wake up before 6 a.m. All right. I wanted to have music and worship while we gathered for prayer. And you know what? Let me tell you what he did. Five people, five people came up to me in the last week and said, hey, sign me up. I would love to help with worship during our prayer times. And that has been amazing. Man, I have been so encouraged. So not only are we praying, but we are singing, we are reading the Bible. And uh, let me tell you, church, the Spirit of God is on the move. I believe that. He is stirring up something within our church right now, and there's no better time to be a part of what's happening here. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. I want to tell you one more thing. Um, Something that I told our Wednesday morning crew when we gathered here for prayer, uh, and something that I think I want all of us to begin to grasp, is this reality. Uh, Every great movement of God, every great revival always begins with intimacy with God. Okay? Every great movement of God, it flows out of intimacy with God. And that is what we want to see happen here within our church. Why? Because God comes where he's wanted. All right? God, We we, we have to understand this as a church. If we want to be a church who actually thrives around the things that God calls good, I, I think it's so important for us to recognize God comes where he's wanted. His spirit comes where it is welcomed. And so that is what we've been leaning into. That's one of the things that we've been asking from God and and, and from our church. And I'll just tell you, it has been so deeply encouraging to me. Personally, over the last few months as I've met with so many of you individually. In fact, I, over the last two months, I feel like I've had more coffee over the last two months than I have over the last two years. There are days that I come home and I'm just kind of like shaking a little bit because I've had way too much caffeine just meeting with you and hearing what's going on in your life and where God is at work. And let me just tell you, after all of those conversations, despite all the, the changes that are happening here or the transitions that we're walking through, you want to know my greatest takeaway from my meetings with all of you? You want to know my greatest take and after hearing about where God is at work in your life? We are hungry. I believe that. We are hungry. Our church is hungry for God. We are a people, we are in a place right now where we are hungry for God to move in a fresh way, and I just think that's so exciting for us as a church. That's a really, really wonderful place to be. That's a very holy place to be, and I think God really is at work stirring something up within us right now, and I, I think... We've got some great days ahead of us, okay? Um, 1 John chapter 3, if you have your Bible open there, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, this is what he says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another just as he commanded us. John is telling us today, we're going to make it. If you are going to personally make it, if you're going to be the type of person who doesn't give up, who doesn't give in, who doesn't quit, but you're going to be able to look back on your life with great confidence and great pride because of the many, many ways that Jesus has changed you and grown you and transformed you into a godly woman or into a godly man, it all comes down to two things what you believe and how you love. What you believe And how you love. I want to show you this today very simply from John's letter to his church. Now, if you're new here, uh, we've been walking through this letter of 1 John for the last several weeks. John was one of Jesus' very best friends. He was trained by Jesus. And then after Jesus died, John actually became a pastor. And in this letter, he's writing to his church. Okay? Uh, He tells his church in verse 11. He says, For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Now, here's what John is doing today. If you remember, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know that John's church is actually in the mid- middle of a very interesting season. A number of people have left the church, and uh, they left the church because they no longer believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They no longer believed that Jesus was the Savior who came to rescue us from sin. Now, maybe just a little bit of historical context for those of you who like history. Uh, these people who left, they joined a group called the Gnostics. So maybe you've heard of Gnosticism before. Maybe that's a word that you remember from, I don't know, um, college. But this is what was happening during this time. This group of people left, joined the movement called Gnosticism, and ultimately this group, they had a lot of, like a whole variety of different beliefs, spiritually speaking, uh, all kinds of different ideas about who Jesus was. But ultimately, for our conversation today. Here's what you need to know. Uh, these people, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They didn't believe that Jesus uh, actually died on the cross, and they definitely didn't believe that he got back up, okay? That, that was kind of the framework that they were operating within, which means that Gnosticism, it wasn't just like a different denomination of Christianity. It wasn't just like a different flavor of Christianity. Uh, it was an altogether different religion, which is the reason why it hurt so bad when these people left? And this is why John is telling his church. He's saying, "Hey, we have to. We're in such a sensitive time right now." He's telling this. We've got to go back to the beginning and remember what it is that defines who we are. He's saying, I know things are tough right now. I know things are so sad because you just watched some of your closest friends and family walk away from the faith. And, you know, some of you have experienced that yourselves, right? You've watched certain people in your family. You've watched certain friends walk away. And you know how heartbreaking that can be. This is why, John tells us, this is why now more than ever... We need to return back to that original message. We have to return back to the very thing that swept us up and made us fall in love with Christ. It's a lot like uh, marriage, for example. Maybe you've heard of the seven-year itch, uh, which for some of you, maybe it only took seven months to get there. But before you started asking the question, what are we doing? Like, why, why, are, why are we doing this? this? Gosh, this is so much harder than I ever thought it would be. And so what do you do? What do you do to, to, to get yourself back into that position where your love is strong and your love is deep? What do you do? You have to remind yourself of what got you into it in the first place, right? You have to, you have to remind yourselves of, of why this is such a good thing. Like, oh, this is why I love you. It's like, oh, that smile. Oh, like, you just get me, Right? Like the safety that we have with one another, those are the types of things, when you remember those things, when you recall them to mind, those are things that reinforce the love that you share. So like a marriage counselor today, John is taking us back to the beginning. He's reminding us of the gospel. He's saying, hey, let's remember, Like, who is God? Oh, he's he's the one who made us. Oh, yeah. And why did he make us? Because he loves us. Yeah, What's our hope? How do we make it? How do we survive through this life? It's like, oh yeah, by his grace, because he's our good father and we're his, we're his children. What John is doing is he's just reminding, he's saying, this is what we believe. And if we don't get this right, then we're not going to get anything right, because what we believe shapes how we live. That's why all throughout this chapter, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see John reminding of us the, of the things that we know. In fact, you'll see that word, no, so many different times throughout this section. Uh, look with me, verse 14. Verse 14, he says, We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. That's salvation. He's talking about salvation here. We know that we've passed from death into life. Verse 16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That's, sac- that's the sacrifice of Jesus. Verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. That's truth. That's reality. He's telling he's saying, hey, hey, this is what reality looks like. Verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. That's the the, the, the truth of the Holy Spirit. The, what Jesus has told us, he's like, hey, I'm going to go away, but I'm not abandoning you. I'm actually going to give you a greater gift. God's spirit inside of you. See what John is doing? He's reminding us of all the most important things about the Christian faith. Salvation, sacrifice, truth, the Holy Spirit, all those things are the fundamentals of what it means to be a Christian. And he's saying, hey, we've got to believe these things. This is what we know. We have to remind ourselves. We cannot forget this is what swept us up and made us fall in love with Christ. He's reminding them of the gospel. Why? Because he knows something that we all intuitively know as well. And that is that we're prone to forget. You are prone to forget. I am prone to forget. Our hearts are prone to wander. In other words, this week, you will be tempted to believe a different narrative. You recognize that, right? Like th- This week, you're going to be faced with different things that are going to tempt you to believe a different narrative about what is true and what is good and what is righteous for you. You're going to be tempted to believe, fill in the blank, this will ultimately satisfy my heart. And for all of us, that's might, that might something different, right? All of you, there are probably different things that come into your mind right now. This, if this happens, I will feel secure in life. If only I had this, I will be happy. This gives me an ultimate sense of purpose. If this happens, I know everything will be okay. And, you know, here's the reality. That isn't just a different flavor of Christianity or a different uh, perspective. That That is an altogether different religion. John is telling us is what you believe about Jesus matters more than anything. And we've got to get this right. If you want eternal life, if you want the life that is truly life, the words of Jesus there you've got to believe that Jesus, he is the son of God. He died for us, for our sin. He got back up, and he did all of those things because he loves us, because he loves you. That's the first thing we have to, we have to believe. But secondly, John is telling us today, if we're going to make it, if you are going to make it, if you're going to be the type of person who looks back on your life with, with great confidence and great pride about uh, the many, many ways that Jesus has changed you and transformed you and turned you into this godly woman or godly man, it's not enough just to believe the right things, but it's absolutely essential that those beliefs transform the very way that we love. Okay, In the mind of John, just like in the mind of Jesus What we believe and how we live, those things always go together. What we believe and how we live, those things are always intended to go together. They're never intended to be separated. That's why we would say, um, it's really easy, it should be really easy for us to tell what you believe by looking at your life and how you live. It's the easiest way to actually understand what you believe. As we we examine the fruit of your life, that's a reflection of the things that you believe in your heart. In fact, that's why John tells us in verse 16, look at verse 16. He says, By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. Now, what's John saying? Well, he's reminding us of one of the most crucial characteristics of any Christian. Very, this is very simple, but it, it's really, really hard to do, actually, in real life, isn't it? He's reminding us that the primary, most crucial characteristic of any Christian is that we love one another. That we love one another. Now, if you've been paying attention, you know, for the last few weeks, uh, it feels like maybe that we've heard this already, Right? It feels like maybe John has said, it almost feels like, if you're familiar with First John and as you read through it, it almost feels like, like, what exactly are you doing? Are you just pressing the copy-paste function here, John? Because it seems like you've said the same thing over and over and over. And are you just trying to fill a quota? What, what's the deal? And here's the reality. Um, first, a couple things happening here. One, he's reminding of us. he's reminding us of what's most important. Okay, he's reminding us of what's most important. you know this as a parent, right? As a teacher, as a coach, as a mentor, half of what you do is just teaching people new things. And then the other half is just reminding them of everything they already know or they seem to have forgotten or didn't think it was that important, right? You just tell them the same thing over and over. As a parent, gosh, I feel like all the time, it feels like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm saying the same thing again and again and again to my kids over and over and over. And he's telling us, this is what John is doing. He's telling us, hey, this is perhaps the most important thing for you to do as a follower of Jesus. And so that's the reason why I'm going to say this again and again and again and again. And he's telling us, if we walk in the light, if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, we must love one another. This is not optional. This is not up for debate. For John, this was a very clear black and white issue, okay? This this made total sense for him. What it means to be a Christian means that we love our brothers and sisters, which is interesting. We're not going to do it right now. Uh, we don't have time for it. But if you actually go back and look at all the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that some of the things that John says here are almost word for word the very things that Jesus spoke over John and the other disciples. These are very much the exact same teachings. Why? Because For Jesus, this was the most integral part of following him. Believe in me and then go love one another. He spoke those very words over John. And then now John, as a pastor for his church, is just repeating them to his church, which consequently we get to repeat to our church and we're just passing it along. Okay, We're doing the very thing that Jesus called us to do. Now, here's what's interesting. John does two things right here. Not only does he give us the command to love one another, And kind of tell us how to live. But before he tells us what to do, he tells us why we ought to do it. Okay? Before he tells us what to do, he tells us why. This is one of the reasons why I love the Bible. Very, very rarely will you find within the Bible just giving us commands without telling us why it matters so much for your life. That's great, isn't it? It's like, we're not just telling you what to do, we're telling you why it matters and why it's so good and important. Look at verse 16 again. It starts. By saying this, By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us. What John is doing here is he is anchoring our call to love one another in the very gospel of Christ, in the goodness of Jesus, what, what Jesus has done for each of us. He's reminding us of the extent or, or the, the depth of Christ's love for you. Now, here's the thing, like, The great thing about this, all throughout this letter here, John reminds us, this this is what we believe, Christ did this willingly. Isn't that amazing? In fact, some of the very last words of Jesus before he went to the cross, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. It's a very important recognition of of, of how the gospel works here. And John tells us why. He he tells us, he says, hey, we, we know the reason why Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, because our sin was such a big deal." That's what he's telling. He's like, our sin was such a big deal. Only way for us to pay for it was for Jesus Christ to die in our place for our sin as a substitute. And Jesus did that willingly. He laid down his life for you so that you could receive eternal life. Isn't that a great deal? <laughs> That's the good news of the gospel. And because of that, John says, if you believe that, if you have received that. If you are now a daughter of God, or if you're now a son of God, then you, are, then you ought to go love in the same way. Verse 16, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. In fact, he continues. He gives us a little bit of a case study, like an example of like, and here's what I mean by that. Here's what this looks like in your everyday life. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In other words, what he's telling us, hey, if you're actually going to confess Christ, if you're going to identify as a follower of Jesus, you kind of need to put your money where your mouth is. Your life needs to reflect the very things that you believe you have to demonstrate that not just in the way that you talk but the way that you live the things that you do. now here's my question anytime I get to this verse here uh, when I see what John when I see John saying that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters um, personally I read that and I, and I can't help but think well what exactly do you mean by that John? <laughs> like what does it mean for us to lay down our lives? For our brothers and sisters. Because we know, like, first of all, we can't do that in the exact same way that Jesus did. We can't go to the cross in the same way that Christ died for us and took on our sin. We know that's that's not happening. We haven't lived that perfect life that Jesus alone has lived. So what does John actually mean? I think what John is telling us here is that in the same way that Jesus has laid down his life, he died, something needs to die within us. Something needs to be put to death so that we can live. Something needs to be put to death so that we can love. In other words, Jesus had to die so that we can live. Now something needs to die within us so that we can actually love. And this is now this is captured all throughout the Bible. There's great. All throughout the Bible, we see the Apostle Paul saying in the book of Galatians, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He also says in 2 Corinthians, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come probably one of my favorites, Romans six, Romans six is what he says. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. In fact, the King James version, I love it. It says, uh, we know that our old man was crucified <laughs> Isn't that a good image. Our old man was crucified. Our old woman was crucified. And now that we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. John is telling us if you want to love like Jesus, something within you needs to die. There needs to be a death within you. It, me, it always reminds me of that song. I don't know. Did you see the movie A Star Is Born? Bradley Cooper. It's like a few years ago. One of the songs I love in there. It's that song. Uh, maybe it's time to let the old ways die. You know that Taylor knows that. She said, "Yeah, maybe it's time to let the old ways die." It's so good. <laughs> If you're going to love, John tells us, the old ways must die. The new must come. Now, what does that look like? What what does that actually look like for us practically this week? How do we love like Jesus? You know, I I heard someone uh, say this week, if you're going to take this seriously, it probably begins with, with loving the person you least want to love. It probably begins with loving the person that you least want to love. Who is she? Who is he? Maybe a in-law? parent, mom or dad. I mean, this is like, you know, Thanksgiving is coming, Christmas is coming. You know, like you know already, like you're going to be around some of these people. You know that you're going to be interacting with them. You know how difficult they can be. You know the tension that exists when you're in the room with them, right? You know what that feels like. Maybe they've let you down. There have been certain disappointments in your life that you haven't maybe even fully recovered yet from. How about spouses? Like can, we, can we love our spouses in that way? I know, I mean, it's like, here, here's the reality. I know, for some people, some people have unbelievably hard marriages, And and some people, I mean, just even the memories of pain that exist already within their marriages. And then, you know, he always does or she never does, right? And then there's just that cycle of, you know, lack of love and disrespect and lack of love and disrespect and lack of love and disrespect. And it keeps going and going and going. How does that cycle end? Something has to die within us, right? Right? something needs to die. Maybe it's an attitude. Or maybe it's a habit, a, a shortness, a, a harshness that we bring into our homes. Those things, they, they have got to be killed. They've got to be crucified before they kill you, right? We know this. Like We all know Like there are certain things in our life, certain people that are just so hard for us to maybe naturally love. Who is it for you? Maybe it it's the person that every time uh they call you, you see their name pop up on your screen, and you're like, oh. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a, a coworker or a colleague or somebody in your workplace that you just every time you show up, you're like, "Oh, they just get under my skin so much. I wish we were working remotely again." You don't though, you don't you don't wish that. Who is it? For every single one of us right now, I'm sure that the Holy Spirit is probably putting somebody into your mind that you know, this is the person that I least want to love. This is the person that is so hard for me to imagine actually loving. And what John is telling us today is the way that we love like Jesus, the way that we lay down our lives like Jesus laid down his life, it usually starts by learning to love the person that we want to love the least. Now, here's what I know. For some of you, this feels unbelievably difficult, right? For some of you, it's unimaginably hard to even begin thinking about what it would look like to love that person. And right now, when you even think about considering steps of giving forgiveness or some forms of reconciliation or whatever that might even look like, you know, that feels impossibly hard right now. Right? When that person comes to mind, probably by the Holy Spirit, when, when God is putting that person in your mind or on your heart, you know, I don't even know how I would begin to do that. But you know what? Here's the really good news today. Here's the really great news. Here is how we actually find the power within us to even begin considering this step of love. It starts by remembering. Okay, it starts by remembering. It starts by remembering that there is someone who loved you at your lowest. There is someone who loved you at your worst. There is someone who not only said he loved you, but he proved it. Right? I mean, this is what we believe, right? (laughs) Someone who who sticks with you to the very end. Somebody who promises to never, never, ever, ever abandon you. And he hasn't. He hasn't. He's he's still with you. He never leaves your side. He remains so close. He He has given you his very spirit so that everything you do, listen, guys, listen, everything you do, yes, even trying to love that person that you are least wanting to love, even that is done in his presence and by his power. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because the oldest passed away. The new has come. You are are in the process. We are in the process of putting to death the old man. Putting to death the old woman. And Jesus Christ now lives within us. He He is within you. He is within all of us if we believe and turn to him in faith. This is the good news of the gospel, that even the people that we are least wanting to love, even the people that are so unimaginably difficult to imagine, laying down our lives to love in the same way that Jesus laid down his life for us. What John is telling us this morning is that it's possible. It's possible because his spirit is within us. And if Jesus' presence is with us, we can do anything. Now here's what we're going to do um, this morning. We're, we're going to give you some space and time to reflect on that. We're going we're to be um, asking God just to even help us. Because I know for a lot of us, it, this feels impossible when it comes to... Um, believing and loving like Jesus. That feels like an impossible task. But this morning, we're going to ask God to help us. Okay, we're going to ask God to help. Do that within our hearts and do that within our lives and make that a reality for us. And so um, I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to give you some steps on how you can respond. Father, uh, God, we, we are immensely grateful, God, that you loved us at our worst. God, that you've never abandoned us. But God, just at the right time, in every single one of our lives, at the right time, that you decided to die for the ungodly. When we were weak and needy, God, it was in your good pleasure to save us. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. God, we know that this morning, uh, as we just think about that call onto us as Christians to love and lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters, God, that, that seems for some of us, that can be really, really difficult. Sure, there are plenty of people that are easy to love, God. But we know for all of us that there's someone, there is somebody that you're bringing to mind right now. And I think you're calling us to love them. So God, we ask right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us? Would you encourage us during this time, God? Would you give us maybe even a glimpse into the type of work that you want to do in us and through us? God, we want to take this seriously. We want to be be a people who love well. But we also know when we're honest, that that's not always easy. And so God, we're asking for your help. We know your presence is already here. We're just asking for more of your grace and more of your mercy. And more of your power. So God, that's what we're asking. And we're asking these things in the good and holy name of Jesus. Amen.